Welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans and Jeff Shade, a show that simplifies the complexities of investments, taxes, retirement, and more so you can discover how to better sustain yourself and your wealth for years to come. Brian is a CPA with 30 years experience and a financial advisor, which brings a unique perspective to the financial world. This show is brought to you by Madrona Financial and CPAs, home of the Rooted Wealth Plan. Want a retirement plan designed to last 30 plus years? Go to madronafinancial.com and click Get Started to see what the Rooted Wealth Plan can do for you. And now, here are your hosts, Brian Evans and Jeff Shade. Thank you so much and welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans, the show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to help sustain yourself and your wealth for 30 plus years. On today's show, we're going to be discussing why many struggle transitioning into retirement and how to buy happiness, even if you don't think you have enough saved. Hint, if you have a significant net worth, it'll probably be harder to be happy. My name is Jeff Shade, and as always, I'm just here to ask the questions. But of course, the words of wisdom and solid advice come from Brian Evans, CEO and President of Madrona Financial and CPAs. Brian, how are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks, Jeff. Always glad to hear that, Brian. I hope our listeners are doing well today, too. And you know, our show in the past has been all about finances. Of course, we've talked a little bit about the emotional or the psychology side of retirement, but we do want to explore that a little bit more today. Madrona, of course, is focused on the financial side of your retirement, but we also want to pay attention to the psychological side of retirement and the fact that money can or cannot buy you happiness. And we're going to be exploring that on today's show. So, Keeping that in mind, Brian, we have a guest today. He's Dr. Richard Himmer, who specializes in organizational psychology. He is one of the partners of Madrona Financial, and we've asked Dr. Himmer to join us because of our topic today. Dr. Himmer, glad to have you with us. Thank you, Jeff. It's really good to be here. Well, it's really good to have you. First of all, Dr. Himmer, you're a specialist in organizational psychology. Exactly what is that? How would you define that? Well, take your normal psychologist and then put it into a large place a large organization of people, the culture, how people interface with each other. Perhaps you've been in a work scenario where you've had a bully as a supervisor or someone who's really incompetent as a supervisor. The idea behind organizational psychology now comes from the world of emotional intelligence. So in a nutshell, we're teaching people how to get along with each other and how to effectively communicate. Dr. Himmer, when I think of retirement, I think or sort of visualize sort of a paradise. You wake up every day, you've got a lot to do, and really you don't have to go to work. But over the past few shows, we've mentioned that 30% of retirees become depressed within the first year. So Dr. Himmer, you're the psychologist here. Why do you think that is? Boy, how much time do you have, Jeff? (laughs) You know, I've been dealing in this field since about 1983. I've brought to the show today seven different areas that play a huge role in what you just asked, with specific focus on why do people have such a difficult time transitioning from their world in which they live called accumulation phase or working phase. And when Brian deals with a a client, for example, that's normally where Brian gets them. He's working with them at that phase, and they focus a lot of their energy on just making sure there are sufficient assets to provide a sustained living, right? That's only one of the seven. The six other ones are where the psychology comes in. So those are the areas, and I can just list them for you briefly. Number one would be a loss of identity. What's the purpose? Why are you getting up in the morning? Number two is social isolation. When you're at work, you're with people, right? You're hardwired to connect. And then all of a sudden, that foundation, that platform is removed from underneath your feet. Number three would be financial concerns. Number four would be a lack of structure. You have structure when you're working. Number five is your relationship strain and the role changes that you go through. Then you have your mental health challenges, which you mentioned. And then the adjustment that you're going to make from a constant work focus now to a leisure focus. And therein lies a paradigm because it really shouldn't be a focus on leisure. There's a structure that's going on. So those are the seven things that I've identified are challenges that need to be addressed moving forward into the retirement and fairness to it. And Brian and I have had this conversation many times. Most people just focus on the money only. So one out of seven is where the focus is rather than all seven out of seven. 
Brian, in your experience, as you're dealing with people moving forward from uh, transitioning from accumulation phase to retirement phase, what has your experience been once they hit the retirement phase? Are they still focused? Are they in that structure of their life? Or do they ever really get out of that accumulation phase? Oh, it's it's a mixed bag there. I'm glad we're covering this on the show today. It, it brings me back. One of my new hires asked me a question once and said, how much of your day do you spend actually doing you know, spreadsheets and financial planning? And she says, what, six, seven hours, all eight? I said, no, more like half an hour. And she said, what? You spend a half hour a day doing finance? What, what do you do with the rest of your time? I said, uh, psychology. And I was speaking with somebody on the, I'm on the board of WSU and Everett Campus, and we were talking about the electives and, and you know the core courses you got to take. And I remember sitting in psychology class going, this is a complete waste of time. I'm never going to use this. And pretty much that's what I use. You know, I, I thought the same thing in speech class. I'm like, I'm never going to give a speech. And well, I now have a radio show. So it's interesting that most of my job is not financial planning. It is psychology. And delving into the other six areas that you just mentioned, it's huge. It's one of the most important things that we talk about. Otherwise, we could just do spreadsheets. And some people say, well, I have a retirement plan and it's on a spreadsheet. I'm like, well, you're missing the whole point of life maybe because you can't uh-huh. do a retirement plan on a spreadsheet. It is not numbers. Another thing I, I recall is back in college, my econ class, they were trying to talk about marginal returns because most people on this planet think if I just had millions or billions, I'd be happier. And it's kind of what we're talking about on the show. And, and the example they gave is if you're really thirsty and I give you a glass of milk, that glass of milk is worth a lot to you. You might pay $10 for that. How much would you pay for two more glasses of milk to drink that day? Well, I might pay $3 for that. How much would you pay for 100 glasses of milk? I'm like, well, nothing. I don't want 100 glasses of milk. Three is my max. And you know, oh, okay. So more doesn't mean better. It doesn't change your life. It's you got to have enough, but excess doesn't necessarily change your life. And too many of us think that way. So I I just wanted to kind of round out why we're even talking about this. Uh, Loss of identity is probably one of the biggest things I talk about with clients. I have this conversation almost every day with people. And on the spreadsheet, it looks like, wow, you have plenty of money to retire. You're 78 years old. You're this, that, and the other. My spreadsheet says this is what you should do. And they just look at me like, are you crazy? Where's my identity? And I'm like, okay, now. Now we're getting to the real question. Well, what experiences have you had with people who literally want to retire, want to travel, want to do X or want to do Y, but they don't seem to have the ability to transition and be intentional about this idea of being in a different mindset? They can't leave that job set, that uh, accumulation phase where they get stuck in the old world. I call it a first half and a second half, right? The first half is the accumulation. The second half is the intentional living phase where they can't seem to live in that world. Yeah, there's a lot of anxiety and resistance, reluctance to change, frankly. On paper, again, I'll be talking, I was talking to an 80-year-old who had literally 20 rental houses and she could not wrap her head around selling any of them because of the what ifs. And I'm thinking, well, what are we planning for here? I mean, how much longer are you going to live, realistically, or, or your years of quality of life? And she just was not even ready to begin the discussion about the transition into retirement from being a landlord, which anybody listening would go, well, that's kind of silly, and I may think that. But the reality is that just the thought of change, you know, everything's working fine, and i got a plan for the future. And what if something goes wrong? I'm like, well, you're, you're worth $10 million. I don't know what could go wrong. You're 80 years old. You know, we can plan for that. We can provide for that. But it didn't matter what I said. It didn't matter what anybody says. It doesn't matter what's said on the spreadsheet, the financial plan, the analysis. I, I, I talked about doing a 1031 exchange and tripling your cash flow and she she was just scared to death and didn't do anything just said no I'm just not going to do nothing and oh okay that's your choice but that becomes just a conversation I have over and over and over now some people are totally ready and like I worked at Boeing that is not my identity I'm a grandparent I'm this I'm that great that's what we're going to be talking about a little bit more on this show what I heard you say was this is a classic example of someone who still has an identity of a landlord and hasn't addressed the issue 
or come to grips with the idea that she needs to transition to a different identity in her life. If she were to give up all those rentals, I'm just assuming, Brian, she'd have a difficult time in life because her identity is as a landlord. She doesn't have oh, a different kind of identity. Yeah, and, and even the cash flow part, she was complaining she didn't have, have enough cash flow because of all the expenses and so forth. And the suggestion that, all right, you have 10 pieces of property and let's, let's say they were all worth a million dollars. What about selling one of those and spending that on your lifestyle for the next five years? 200000 a year for five years. I call it a sinking fund. Mm-hmm. Just the mere mention of that, she thought I was nuts. Uh, what? No, I have to be invested. You know, I got a plan for the future. You know, it's just like, again, we look at that and go, well, what's the difference between a $10 million net worth and a $9 million net worth? That's like that 90th to 100th glass of milk I, I would have to drink that day. Okay, I'm not going to. I'm not going to use those last 10 glasses of milk I just talked about out of the 100 that were put on the table. And she's not going to spend that money either. But the mere mention of spending it during her life was just like crazy talk to her. And so, yeah, this is the reality that a lot of retirees can't get their head around getting out of the accumulation phase of life. And you know, a lot of us do in our 60s. Some in their 70s and 80s can't even get out of that. So that, that's a mindset that is very prevalent out there. What I've also seen, and, and help me if, if you see it a little bit differently. So let's just go to the people who have the 500,000, maybe to about 5 million in that, in that framework. Oftentimes, at least with most planners, they're trying to solve a specific problem that the planners have determined is the problem that's having cash flow. What I've argued from the world of psychology is we need to find the right problem to address and then go after that. So her problem wasn't the money. We need to find the right problem by asking insightful questions. One of the unique aspects about our company is the ability to find out what's really going on in that person's life that they may or may not know for themselves. How do you, and what has been your experience in in your quasi role as the psychologist, how do you work with people to help them find that direction, to find the right problem to solve? So her right problem to solve would be learning how to loosen up a little bit, but she has to be discovering that of her own will. What's been your experience helping your clients or guiding your clients into these insightful answers that they may or may not know is sitting there? Yeah, we start with a financial plan. And so people that come in, if you become a client of ours, we're going to do a a very integrated financial plan. And I usually solve one of the questions. Do we have enough growth in the portfolio? Are there enough assets? And generally speaking, there are. And so are we solving for growth at that point? Well, probably not. But the mindset is, well, no, everything in my life is about growing my assets. And, you know, this show is called Growing Your Wealth, but I should put an asterisk next to that because that's not the end-all be-all of a happy life. So are we solving for your lifestyle, your cash flow? Are we solving security, tax savings, liquidity? Are we solving for stress, solving for time, giving you more time and and less time worrying about other things? Whatever it is, uh, we need to figure out the priority. I understand everybody wants all of those things. Yeah, I want growth and security. Well, you can't get necessarily both of them with the same investment. Uh, yeah, I want cash flow, tax savings, less stress, you know, all this stuff. But in reality, we're not maybe living that out. We're living out a different life. So we're, we're focused on growth. And if you have enough assets to have a successful retirement, that's probably not the right place to focus. And pointing that out and just addressing that and saying, what is your actual goals? And, and not being generic about it. Oh, I want to travel and play golf someday. Well, that's yeah, too exactly. generic. We, we got to get specific. Right. Maybe you could speak to that, Richard. Yeah, so first of all, let's define two words just for purposes of clarity. Money is simply a commodity. It's a means to an end. You know, you have the money. You're solving for enough money in what you do by putting the plan together. The rest of the six are wealth. Wealth is having sufficient. Well, sufficient of what? And Brian's bullet point there was a prime example. Sufficient time, sufficient love, sufficient friends, sufficient purpose. In other words, do you have enough? And when you have enough, you're now solving for the right problem. You found the right problem. So having that money allows you to buy the very things that you may or may not have developed or had during your accumulation phase. Children, grandchildren, spouse, if your parents are still alive, parents, and oftentimes we're now seeing as people live longer, we're spending a lot of time supporting our parents. Do you have enough time to do that? So I'm thinking of this client of yours who had the real estate. What she hasn't done is given herself permission to actually live. 
She's still in that phase with her head down, and she doesn't know what she doesn't know. And one of the insights that makes Madrona unique is we're going to ask you those insightful questions to get you answering the questions you haven't thought of asking before. That's a big difference when you move forward. That's wealth. So six of those yeah. things, the identity, the depression, etc., are really part of the initial plan. It's the foundation. Thank you, gentlemen. Our program is called Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. My name is Jeff Shade, and our guest today is Dr. Richard Himmer, who is a specialist in organizational psychology and also a partner here at Madrona Financial and CPAs. If you want to maximize your happiness in retirement, not just your income, then I want you to call this number 833-673-7373 right now to request your Madrona analysis. Once again, that number is 833-673-7373. You can do it right now because the phone lines are open. And again, it's not going to cost you a dime. Totally complimentary. There's no cost. There is no judgment. And certainly there is no obligation. Once again, that number 833-673-7373. Jeff, that makes me think about one of the things that I keep running into with prospects and and people coming in is just the fear of the unknown. And and one of our jobs, you know, I I don't want to discount the financial side of things. A primary purpose of what we do for people is to take away as much of that fear of financial unknowns as possible, making sure we have a plan for their cash flow. We know what their spending is, their taxes are going to be, that we have different sources of cash flow and reserves and and so forth, liquidity, uh, security, growth, cash, you know, tax savings, all those kinds of things factored in to help take away that fear. You know, and one of the things that my advisors ask me, and the first thing I, I, when they're talking about a a new prospect, a new client, the first thing I say to them is, what are we solving for here? Because they know what that means. And we're not solving for how to get a better commission. (laughs) That's not what we're trying to solve for. You can go to some advisors and they're trying to solve for that. They're trying to sell you something. They're trying to put you in a cookie cutter. And if they're trying to put you in the cookie cutter, they're not really trying to solve anything other than their own paycheck, perhaps. So the question is, what are we solving for? But even if I can sit there with a financial plan and take away as many of the unknowns as possible, people can still fear change to the point where they fear not being anxious. As weird as that sounds, I can tell that, that they're used to, they've grown comfortable being anxiety-ridden about their finances their entire life. And no matter how much I disprove those thoughts on a financial plan, they're going, well, I don't know about that. I'm like, well, it's right here. Is there, are there any numbers off? And like, no, no. And your plan's right, but I'm just nervous. I'm like, oh, what specifically are you nervous? I don't know. And, and I, I kind of get the impression, and Dr. Henry, I'd like your thoughts on this, about being comfortable with being uncomfortable, <laughs> with being anxious. Well, maybe I could speak to why they're so anxious, at least from one standpoint. Think about all of the ways people in the financial industry market. They market out of fear. The market's going to crash. The market's going to blossom. The market's going to be flat. You've got all these things that they're, they're hitting you with, all this noise, all the voices coming at them, and they're always afraid of there won't be enough, right? We have a law of scarcity mentality, and we are marketing that in our industry. What you just said was the antithesis of the law of scarcity. We're arguing over the law of abundance. The questions we ask are designed to give you the hope that you won't have that. So first of all, anxiety is about tomorrow. You're making up a story about tomorrow that may or may not happen. Most suffering in the world is over things that actually never happened. That's what anxiety is about. So what our planners have been taught to do and what they're very good at doing is asking the questions about what if and what does that look like. When you move to the what if, so from a world of psychology, you're moving into your subconscious and you're creating using your imagination, what could my retirement look like? Brian, you said something earlier that was very profound in that financial plan is a two plus two equals four type thing. That's not the hard part. We have principles that we follow inside of our company, financial principles, all right. But beyond that, we're inviting you to determine what tomorrow looks like by what ifing. And that's that positive look. It's a positive psychology construct coming out of Martin Seligman 20, 30 years ago, where we're giving you the opportunity to move the fear to a different part of your life because the part where we're going to work with you on is what does the next life look like? How do you transition into something you've never done before? There's always going to be fear of the unknown to some degree, but it doesn't have to cripple you. We're inviting them through the insightful questions to say, okay, Brian, you said it earlier. 
I'm not going to travel. I'm not going to just travel. I'm traveling to Venice and I'm going to find out the history behind it. Why is it this way? Why are the waterways going the way they are? What's the history of the people? That's a purpose. Imagine going into your retirement with a structure that you've started developing before you ever got there. That's the difference that I heard you say. Did I get, did I answer that okay? Yeah, it's, uh, seriously, this really revolves around uh, planning with the end in mind, you know, reverse engineering, saying, all right, five years from now, 10 years from now, and I bring this up all the time, especially when somebody's kind of having difficulty with this transition phase, mm-hmm. you know, say, all right, you're 77 years old. What does your life, your perfect life look like? What does it all look like? What have you accomplished five years from now looking back and 10 years from now looking back? Uh, and they go, oh, I'll be 87. Well, gee, I'll, I won't be traveling. I won't be doing a whole lot of stuff. I suppose I I better do all my stuff in the next 10 years. I said, that's probably pretty accurate. And what does that look like? What do you want that to look like? Because you're going, well, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. And then I'll wake up one day and then I won't. And that'll be it. And it's like, okay, if that's what you want to do, that's fine. But it probably isn't. So let's talk about what that other life looks like and actually document that. And I do this in business all the time. I'm like, what do I want my business to look like in five years? Well, I want to start taking steps now towards that goal. I think they they did a whole series of books on it and classes called The Secret. You know, they they get you for hundreds and hundreds Mm -hmm. of dollars and all this training. And in the end, it was plan with the end in mind. Figure out your goal and work towards it. Mm-hmm. That's what the whole series was about. And you know, I, I sum that up pretty quick. Sorry, people. You know, now you're not going to sell your book to my listeners. But I think that is hugely important is to be specific about your life, what it looks like. As you mentioned, Richard, what's your identity look like over the next five years? Your mental place, your leisure activities, your social activities, your structure and life, your relationships. What do you want all those to look like? You notice I didn't mention money yet. That's the seventh, as you pointed out. We're really focusing on the things that are really important in life, knowing that we're going to handle the money part. That actually is probably the easiest of the seven when it comes to me. So the lack of structure, I'd like to kind of transition a little bit here with your permission and go from the lack of structure and give a solution to it and move into what happens in the relationships because the roles are going to change. And one of the reasons that some people won't get out of those roles is that fear. But this lack of structure, you can start addressing right now. So if you're working, you know, you get up at a certain time of the day, you have your routine in the morning, you go to work, you come home, you have your routine. When you're not working, you've left that routine out because you've lost the middle part. Start planning now, such as what you were just saying. What's it going to look like in the next five years for you? So let me just tell you a story of what happened because this impacts the role and the relationships that people have with each other. I know of a couple, he was a general who'd been in the military for some 40 years. Therefore, he he was responsible for so many things. His wife raised their five children for those 40 years, and that included all the deployments and all the time that he was gone. Well, they had their own individual lanes that they traveled in during the work years. And so at the time of retirement, they didn't do any of the six idea plannings. They didn't talk about their identities. They didn't talk about their socials, their structure, their anything. They simply said, we're going to be together now for the first time in 40 years in our marriage. And they sold their home. They sold much of their, many of their possessions and they bought an RV. And they started out in, in South Carolina. By the time they arrived in Texas, they both had a divorce attorney. Now what happened in the time from South Carolina to when they got to Texas? Well, What happened was he never transitioned from his work position to his retired position. At work, he was a general, right? Now his new lane, his new identity is a husband, father, grandfather, etc. Because he never transitioned, well, what was her lane before he retired, which still exists? President, CEO, Turo driver, liaison officer between the children and the strict father who wasn't present, communication officer, recruitment officer, tactical officer, drill sergeant. She did all of those things. Well, all of a sudden he's not at work and he starts barking orders at his wife. They didn't understand their roles. There was no preparation. They probably spoke with the planner. They had enough money. He had a pension, but they never understood their roles and who they were in retirement. A complete lack of identity a complete misunderstanding of their roles, and they didn't have the proper structure. Therefore, their relationship was strained. So what happens there is if you're not planning for all of it, well, Brian, I can see why some of these people would be really nervous. They don't know what else to do. 
Thank you, Dr. Himmer, and thank you, Brian. Our show, of course, is called Growing Your Wealth, and if you have questions about transitioning into retirement, once again, I invite you to call this number, 833-673-7373, to set up your complimentary, no-cost, no-obligation Madrona analysis. Again, not going to cost you a dime. Once again, that number, 833-673-7373, and again, phone lines are open right now. We're going to take a quick break, gentlemen. When we come back, we'll continue with this conversation. We'll also be discussing how to buy happiness, even if you think you don't have enough saved. All that and more when our show continues. Stay tuned. Tired of only getting half the story? That's why it's so important to get your financial information from a CPA and an advisor like Brian Evans. Now let's get back to some of the most comprehensive financial information around. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial and CPAs. And with me today is my special guest, Dr. Richard Himmer, a organizational psychologist. And we're talking about transitioning from your working years to retirement years and all that that involves outside of the monetary part. Usually on the show, we're talking about finances, taxes, legacy planning, investments, real estate, all these different things. But today we're talking about the really important stuff in life, the psychology of life and what really can help you be happy. So I want to jump back into this, Richard, from where we we left off. And one of the things that we're trying to accomplish when we're working with someone on financial planning is to really separate what a life can be. We, We talked about earlier in the last segment about planning with the end in mind, knowing what your goal is specifically, a five-year goal specific, a 10-year goal, what does that actually look like? And one of the things that we would encourage is that you uplift, that you have goals that that are really awesome about having a really awesome life. Because as I've mentioned uh, recently on this show, this show is not about how to have a mediocre life. Now, you can certainly uh, have negative things in your life. You can have neutral things. And so a lot of us, people I run into and, and do financial planning for, they really have planned a neutral life. They're going, well, I'm just going to spend enough to get by. And then I, I point out, well, you could do more. We, we've done a financial plan. Here's your, your cushion. You've got you know, 100 grand a year in cushion or whatever. Getting them out of that mindset of having a neutral, mediocre life. Now, if they want that, that's fine. But most people don't. Most people, if you're listening to this show, you are probably not that person. You are probably somebody that wants to uplift their life. The show is called Growing Your Wealth, not Being Mediocre in Life. It's not about that. And one of the stories I think about is one of my clients, he was really struggling with that. I remember he called me once and he had an emergency. He had to cut a tree down. It was going to be $400. And I said to him, well, yeah, you'll you'll be fine. Are you sure? Are you sure? It's $400. I don't want to spend that. I said, you're worth $6 million. And uh, we'll call him Fred. And I said, Fred, could you ever spend $100,000 in a year? And he said, well, no, I could never spend $100,000 in a year. I said, well, you have $6 million in the account statement I just pulled up. That's 60 years of $100,000 a year if it doesn't grow at all. You're 87 years old. I'm pretty sure you can spend $300. <laughs> you know, I, I was trying to help him uh, put it into perspective that, oh, I can loosen up. And then I, I had another client who I'd had these talks with. They were younger. They are in, in their early 60s. And he was so excited. He called me up one day. He says, you're going to be so proud of me, Brian. I said, why? What would you do? Well, I got invited to meet with my some college buddies. And I decided to go and spend the money. I flew first class. And I stayed at a four-star <laughs> hotel. He was so proud of himself that he had to call me and tell me that. And I was like, that is awesome. And just hearing the excitement, I had the best time. And the stories that came out of that was it was really uplifting to me to know that I had an influence on that person's life. So, Richard, I'll, I'll turn it over to you, and maybe you have a, a, a story related to that. Just a thought here. Story. What you just explained was so powerful. If the listening audience could do the following, imagine for a minute what you want your retirement to look like. Don't play the game of, well, I can't do X, I can't do Y. That's exactly what the challenge is. What you just did for those two clients is give them an opportunity to think or dream differently. Instead of saying you have to do X or you have to do Y, could think of the mom who's dealing with the daughter who has to perform for the first time. And she says, you can do this, dear. You can do this. Well, the daughter is thinking about the mom. She has to say that. She's my mom. But what if she said, what does it look like if you do that to the best of your ability today? Your subconscious will then create an imagined experience that the brain cannot differentiate from real life to the imagined life. 
And by thinking about that, even for the first time, you open up the opportunity to then think differently and reduce that level of anxiety and fear. Both of those people were benefactors of an advisor who gave them permission to think differently. But I do have a quick story. Um, I'm not trying to one-up, it just happened recently. Years and years ago, I developed a construct called a date with a purpose or a DWAP. So whenever I go on a date with my wife, there's a purpose, we're doing something. Let's just go out tonight and we just go to a movie and dinner. There's nothing substantial about that. There's no purpose behind that. So I went on a cruise in February and a friend of mine found out we were going and we were talking and I said, why don't you join us on the cruise? He said, boy, I'd really like to. I said, well, you need to know that my wife and I cruise a little different than most people and I'm in the middle of writing, finishing up the sixth edition of one of my books. And he, he says, okay, we'd love to go. And I says, what do you do differently? I said, well, at night we debrief our day and we talk about what we learned, what we noticed, various things. And so every single day we got together after dinner and after the entertainment, if there was entertainment, and we'd shut the cafe or the restaurant down, having deep, meaningful discussions about what we learned with our different excursions, and if it was a sea day, what I learned in the writing of my book. This has been a year since we have did that, and they are both talking about how much fun it was because we now had a purpose. I don't know if you've ever noticed people when they walk around like on a cruise ship or just in a mall or in a large place of people, they have no direction. There's no intention. There's no deliberate walking. They just meander. Most people don't know what's going on in their world. That's from the world of psychology. And so they lack that direction on a general basis. Okay, now, so imagine for a second, go back to the story of someone flying first class or someone cutting down a tree that's $400 and he's got more money than he could even think about. Just imagine the change of your psychological being and the way you feel by imagining, what if I could do that? Just pay attention to how you feel. You don't have to take my word for it. You can feel it as it is. So my take from my world is going through the planning process into the retirement. You can literally put yourself in a position to buy the happiness with the assets that the planner or the advisor is going to give you have a spreadsheet. It's just a framework. That's all it is. Now, from there on out, the real magic happens when you start imagining a different world for you, imagining what it would be like into intentional living during that second half of life, if you will. So that would be my take. Yeah, one of the things that I think about, you know, I've, I was talking about being specific, and one of the things I often point out is people will say, yeah, I want to leave, I want to leave money to my kids. And so they're used to being in the savers mode and investor mode and we do the plan. And one of the things from the plan, it, it projects how much will be left to the kids. And sometimes I'd be very specific because I'll, I'll hear things like, well, I was, wanted to go on this big vacation, but it's too expensive. I hear this all the time. And how much is a vacation? 30000 I said, okay, what if I said you could go on that vacation every single year for the next 10 years? I said, well, you're nuts is what I'm saying because I want to leave money to my kids. And I say, well, based on this plan, you're going to leave $2.3 million to your kids. Would it be okay if you left them $2 million? Well, I, I suppose. And what if we took that 300000 specifically, took 30000 a year for 10 years, put it into a travel fund, and you went on that massive vacation every year, maybe take them with you if you want. $30,000 probably does that. And have these memories created, have that purpose in your life. And instead of leaving, again, instead of projecting to leave them 2.3 million, you leave them 2 million, you get to go on this great trip for the next 10 years of your life. That's what I'm talking about being, uh, Richard, about being very specific about your goals. So if, if I heard that, if one of my advisors heard that in our interview with our client, that is something we might come up with that's completely outside of normal thinking. Because a lot of times, right. your advisor is going to go, well, that's money I can't invest. I want to put you in an annuity, and you, you, know, you won't get 30 grand a year, but you'll get six. And I'm like, well, six doesn't get me the vacation I want. It doesn't solve the purpose of what I wanted to accomplish. So we have to sit back and go big picture. What does this perfect life look like to us? Let's plan for, with that in mind. Okay, so two points there. A wealth advisor needs to know what wealth is to call themselves a wealth advisor. If you think that it's just accumulating more money and garnering more income off of that as a, as a professional, that's not a wealth advisor. 
So when your planners, when our planners say that, what about this and what about that? This is the second point. You're offering an insightful question to get the imagination moving that creates a very cool dopamine release thinking, oh, what would it look like if I could travel 10 years in a row and even take my family on the cruise? That's a wealth advisor. Asking insightful questions to help prepare the pathway to transition from a world of accumulation into a world of deliberate or intentional living. So there's there's a bit of research, Brian, if it's okay, I'd like to share this with the audience. You've heard the term that money can't buy happiness, and we just kind of countered that and said, well, it, it actually can buy happiness. Let me explain where this research came from. When the research was done originally, many decades ago, They found that once you hit a threshold of $75,000 a year, anything over and above $75,000 has diminishing utility. In other words, it doesn't really increase the happiness at all. Well, what they found out now recently is that the initial research was flawed. The people that they researched, by and large, were very negative people. Therefore, it wouldn't have mattered if they made $175 million a year. Their predisposition, their inability to see, um, to imagine what it would be like or to be optimistic, compromised their ability to use money to buy the happiness. They now have found that once Maslow has been hit, like the basic needs and and things of, of a human being, that money can indeed buy happiness if you understand the process of happiness if you know what that means, if you know how to standardize your time, structure your time. So let me give you an example. One thing you can do when you have the money is you buy time. You buy a lot of time if you want. So remember the earlier comment I made about the grandparents asking the kids to come visit them? No one likes that. No one feels comfortable being leveraged on by a loved one. What if you could buy the time to learn how to reach out to touch your kids, your grandkids? What if you could buy the time to take them to Disneyland? What if you could buy the time to have a healthy relationship with your spouse? Get to know your spouse. I cannot tell you how many times I've had couples in my office going through a pretty difficult time in their marriage. They'll blame the children or the grandchildren, but it's really the couple that isn't getting along too well. And they don't even know each other. They've lived, cohabitated, shared the same bedroom together but they don't know each other. Okay, so here's that imagine part again. Imagine getting to know your spouse back like the days when you first courted her or him, when you first fell in love, when you had that first kiss. What would that be like to relive that again, to be so in love and then naturally out of that relationship you have with your spouse, what is the children? What is it? the impact it has on the children? And then what impact will that have on the grandchildren? There is so much you can buy when you understand that you're moving into a different stage of your life. You can buy the time to spend with those you love in a healthy manner. What if you took a class on emotional intelligence? What if you took a class on something you've always wanted to do? Play the guitar, play the piano, learn a new skill. There's so much to be done. Keep in mind, we're hardwired to connect. We've covered that. But we're also hardwired to learn, to grow, and to change. Couch potatoes are just miserable because they're not learning, they're not growing, they're not changing. They live in a state of constant criticism. We've barely scratched the surface of the ways that money can buy happiness. But what Madrona does for everybody moving forward is it gives you the the basic guideline for moving forward and then let Brian and the other advisors literally ask you the questions that you need to be asked so your mind can get moving and find the insightful ways that you can experience that happiness because you've got the accumulation phase down. Yeah, Richard, thanks for those comments. I I just wanted to kind of circle back real real quick on kind of the point of the show was to talk about uh, the transition from working to retirement. And uh, the first point, bullet point, was the identity, loss of identity, because, you know, you've done a certain thing a certain way. Retirement is a different life, and planning for that is completely different. So identifying what that looks like is so important. We talk about the financial concerns all the time, and, and we would solve for that with a financial plan. But one of the, the things, you know, the social isolation that we haven't talked too much about, that the workplace uh, also provides a social network and retirement can lead to a sense of isolation. We've talked about structure, relationships, and the strain that can be, you know, there's stats out there that when people spend more time together in retirement, they aren't necessarily looking forward to that. So, you know, we, we have to consider that. 
your mental health through retirement, what, what's going to make you happy eventually, and then adjusting to a lot more time and a lot more leisure activities. So those are some of the things. And circling back on the money part, there, there are certain things money can do for you. Investments can grow in value. They can be secure. They usually can't do both at the same time, so that's why we diversify. They can provide cash flow. They can offer tax savings for legacy, to have more legacy, for more gifting opportunities to your family, to your charities, to whatever is important to you. And they can provide liquidity. Now, you can have all those things, but not be using those tools right. We, we refer to investments as tools all the time on this show. Because I could have all the tools in the world, but if I don't know how to use them or I don't use them, then what's the point? And it's the same thing with investments. If you have cash flow, but don't spend it. If you have growth, but you're just going to die the richest guy in the graveyard, as we call it. If you have lots of liquidity, but you don't have anything to use it for. If you, you, know, if, if you have tons of security, but you're not taking enough risk. You're, you're not getting any return on that money. You know, there, there can be problems with having any of those things if you're not using the tool correctly. So we'd kind of go back and forth. You know, Even on this show, can money buy you happiness? Often I say no. And then I... We turn around and say, well, money can buy you happiness, a certain amount, if it's properly used. And so it's a little bit of both. I find that interesting, Richard, on this show today, that it is a little bit of both. I could be an attorney arguing both sides of the court case. Mm -hmm. Does money buy you happiness or not? I could argue for the plaintiff. I could argue for the defense because it's a little bit of both, wouldn't you say? Well, because you gave illustrations of that. It depends on the person. The money's an object. The modifier here is the human. If you choose to be happy, your money can buy it. If you choose not to be happy, your money is going to be like Scrooge. It's just an object, and you're a bah humbugging around, and you're playing the role of a victim when you have to stay in that accumulation phase, when you have to stay in the landlord phase. You're playing a role that is very insatiable, and it's very addictive. So really, from the world of psychology where I'm coming from, You want to be happy, it's escaping the bonds that hold you down into this old, what I call the place mark of, when you're a worker, it's a place mark. If your identity is I'm retired, it's a place mark. It's not an identity. If you're a traveler, that's an identity. If you're a musician, that's an identity. If you're um, an advocate for, that's an identity. I'm a spouse, it's an identity. But if I'm retired, that's a place mark. So what we're doing is we're inviting people. Okay, the money part, there's five things you can do with it, as you've mentioned. That's taken care of. You get professionals who do that, who don't want to put you onto assembly line and look at you like a nail because all they have is a hammer. Then allow them to guide you through finding where you want to go, imagining and then reverse engineering. So that would be my take on that. Our show is called Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. My name is Jeff Shade, and our guest today is Dr. Richard Himmer. He's a specialist in organizational psychology and also a partner at Madrona Financial and CPAs. If you're interested in our conversation today, money and your purpose in retirement, and you're looking for a complimentary plan customized just for you that will include finding out what your life goals are and whether or not money can indeed buy you happiness, I invite you to call this number right now because our phone lines are open. 833-673-7373. Once again, that number is 833-673-7373. Again, it's a conversational analysis intended to put you on a path to a fulfilling retirement. Remember, it's not going to cost you a dime, but it could be the most important call that you will make in your retirement journey. Once again, that number, 833-673-7373. Now, you must have at least $500,000 of investable assets to qualify. And as a bonus, we'll also be sending you out a copy of Brian's book, Seven Steps to a Successful Retirement. Once again, that number to call, phone lines open right now, 833-673-7373. Once again, 833-673-7373. One call could make all the difference. So, Dr. Hammer, you you mentioned something, uh, the insatiability of money. And I think to myself, a lot of people come in that I talk to, and if they have a million dollars, they think, well, if I just had two million, I'd be happy. Or if I just had 10, 10 millionaire, if I had 100, 100 millionaire, if I just had a billion dollars. And then you go to Jeff Bezos. If, if I just cornered the AI market, then I'd be happy. You know, it's, it's insatiable. There is no end to the mm-hmm. amount of wealth 
that we think we can accumulate to be happy. And so that is, you know, that's part of my, my discussion on what does not bring you happiness, just accumulating more of something you're not using properly. And as I mentioned, we're really focusing when we meet with somebody, and we're going to recap some of the issues and ideas we're talking about here, but we're trying to focus on whatever that life looks like that is uplifting. As I mentioned earlier in the show, we want to help you lift up your life, have your life be meaningful to you, and avoid having a life where you go, okay, what did I do my last five years? And if I ask you that and you go, I don't really know. I think I golfed and did some stuff around the house and I'm talking five years here. Yeah, yeah I didn't. I really mm-hmm. didn't do much. I watched all the Mariner games. I watched the Seahawks or whatever, you know. So that's a mediocre life in my opinion. And that's okay if that's what you want to do. But most people, again, listening to this show, do not want a neutral, negative, or mediocre life. They want to be uplifted. And so we have to address these things. Our, our first thing we're addressing is the identity. What is your identity? And that is not, as you mentioned, Richard, it's not, I'm retired. That is a placeholder. I work work. I'm an employee. I'm a boss. I'm a landlord. Well, that's not really an identity as we define it here. That's just what you do. And that's how you you got the resources you got, perhaps. But we want to look beyond that. Any, Any comments on that, Richard? Yeah, it's the insatiability. I want to start with there. An insatiable anything is addictive in nature, which means it's never enough. So there are people who become money focused, money centric. And when they become money centric, what falls away? What don't they address? So think about the general I was referring to. What did he not have when they retired? Because his only identity was as a general, an ex-star general. What he didn't have was a healthy relationship with his wife. He didn't have a healthy relationship with his children. He probably didn't even know his grandchildren. So when anything becomes insatiable, you are out of balance. And there is this myth about a work-life balance. Well, there's going to be an imbalance when you retire, too. The key is to balance the imbalances you have in life. You're now going to have a plethora of time that you don't know what to do with unless you start the planning in advance. So learning how to plan that in advance was going to help you. So here's a a thought. Imagine you're at your end of your life and you're granted the ability to repeat just one day of your life or a section of your life. Which period do you choose to repeat? Is it going to be watching all 160-some-odd Mariner games? Is that the part of life you want to do? In other words, where does your fondest desire go to? Who are you really? So I would take another imagine. Imagine you're your best self in retirement. Now you start getting the, the spirit of why we're moving in this direction. Your identity is going to dictate your purpose. So I remember asking a client recently, I said, why do you get up in the morning? His response, to work for the man. Now, he's clearly not one of your clients, Brian. No, probably not. I was just going to say that's an affair that he's dealing with that's very challenging. But what if you're just working for the money? What's the difference? I work for the man or I work for the money. I don't see much of a difference between the two. Yeah, I I would also say, you know, we're we're talking about loss of identity or or having an identity. uh, As I think about social isolation, I mentioned that. And one of the things under that topic is... How will the world be a better place tomorrow because you got out of bed? I think that's a great question. It's a tough question to ask ourselves. And that's where Mm -hmm. we go, will the world be better off because you were a landlord today? Will the world Mm -hmm. be a better place because you watched all nine innings of the Mariners baseball game again? Will the world be better? And so one of one of the things that I really enjoy, and when I pray, you know, I pray a prayer of gratefulness. When I talk to my significant other, we recap our day, and she will tell me about how she helped her mother, how she talked to her son, how she spent time with her charity. She probably mm-hmm. talked to me about my business and things that went on there. She's always interested in that. Some of the other things that she did positive, that she's moving the rock forward. The world was a better place because of her. I will do the same back to her. I'll talk to her about my interactions with clients, with you know how we help their life, how I gave them permission to re- retire, and I proved it out with a plan or whatever it is. I allowed them to retire from being a landlord, uh, all these different things. How I help, you know, whether it's parents, kids, friends, clients, whatever, and employees even. 
some of my interactions there, my mentorship, my charitable activities, which are numerous. And so we recap these things, and then we are always grateful about the opportunity. So when we think about retirement, if we could look at it again from how is the world a better place because I'm in retirement. Again, retirement is just a, a placeholder. What are you doing with that retirement to make the world a better place, to make you better, to uplift you, uplift those around you, to be a positive impact on this earth? And all of those were great examples of how you can make the world a better place. I, I will just chime in with one example I saw recently. A grandpa and a grandma took their five oldest grandchildren back to the state and the home city, hometown, where they raised their fathers. And they spent a whole week just going on the hikes and visiting the areas where their, their dads were raised. And they got to experience that. And this has been six months now, and they still are talking about that experience, they have the videos, they have the, the pictures. Those kids were ages 8 to 12, you know, just hearing the stories about what happened there. That's making the world a better place. So if we move to the next one then, lack of structure. What does it look like to be structured in retirement? How would you approach someone if they say, Brian, I just don't feel like I have a, it's just, what do I do now? I have nothing to do with myself. Well, in that case, again, we're, we're going to plan with the end in mind. Five years from now, looking back, what would you want to tell me the story of your life was? What are the things, oh, wow, I, I would like to learn how to dance with my spouse. Uh, I want to mm. learn to play the guitar. I want to go to Venice and learn about the history of, of the Roman conquest in that region of the world. I want to visit a winery in France. I want to do X, Y, Z. Okay. Once we've determined what that is, and that that's, can be very fun. This can be a fun thing. Not only is it uh, something that could be very meaningful, and, and you might come up with you know relationship uh, goals or charitable goals or whatever it is. That's up to you. But spending that time and then planning, with again, with that in mind, now you can structure it so you don't just wake up five years from now and go, what just happened the last five years of my life? My golf game's about the same as it was five years ago. <laughs> I've gone 300 times. The Mariners are still the same Mariners every year. You know, whatever it is that you spent your time doing, is that really, if you were to put it on paper and read it out loud, would you go, huh, that just doesn't really cut it. I need to up my game a little bit here. I need to uplift myself, my goals, my intentions. And so that's what I'm talking about uh, when we're talking about a successful retirement. That was excellent. I could not have said that better. Thanks so much for letting me be a part of this conversation. Well, Brian and Dr. Himmer, we are out of time for this week. I want to thank you for your time. Our guests have been Dr. Richard Himmer. He's a specialist in organizational psychology and a partner at Madrona Financial and CPAs. If you have questions about our topics today on the program, you can call 833-673-7373 and get in for your Madrona analysis. Well, as I said, we're out of time for this week. Brian and Dr. Himmer, I want to thank you for your time. But most of all, I want to thank the fine people here at the Puget Sound for joining us. For Brian Evans and Dr. Richard Himmer, I'm Jeff Shade. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you again next week with another edition of Growing Your Wealth. No statements made during the Growing Your Wealth show should constitute tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own legal or tax professional on your individual information. Brian Evans and Madrona Financial Services is licensed to offer investment advisory services through Madrona Financial Services, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance products are offered through Madrona Insurance Services, LLC, a licensed insurance agency and an affiliate of Madrona Financial Services. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investors cannot invest directly into indexes. No investment strategy, including asset allocation and diversification, guarantees a profit or guarantees the avoidance of loss. Financial planning is an important tool that does not guarantee specific outcomes. DST investments are only available to accredited investors and offered solely through the issuer's offering documents. The DST sponsor determines whether to accept any individual subscription documents. Madrona Financial and CPAs is a registered trade name used singly and collectively for the affiliated entities Madrona Financial Services, LLC, Madrona, and Bauer Evans, Inc., PC, Bauer Evans. Investment advisory services are provided through Madrona. CPA services are provided through Bauer Evans.